0: Sit down, I'll listen, wait. Relax, my dudes, it's not too late to join in with these awesome fans marble Marvel. there some chips and OC fix and meat and meet The best girl, quick. I've been squatting, uh, I, I just won't mind the time. we the same, it's a time Welcome the It's a podcast, it's also a gun. Hey guys, welcome back to the geekening Podcast. As usual, I'm Leah, and I'm joined today by a very special guest. I'm joined by the Vice President of the Noble Collection, Julian Montoya. Hi, Julian.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: Very well, thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let's kick us off by just telling us about the Noble Collection.
1: Okay, well, we're known for our prop replicas that we make and collectibles across a a broad range of of IP. We're most probably most famous for our our Harry Potter, our Wizarding World collectibles, most notably are the wands that we manufacture, the prop replica wands. But we also do a wide range of products from uh, uh, some other uh, top tier IP that that, uh, we really love working on. Um, And uh, beyond just the prop replicas and the high-end collectibles, We've developed some products that we refer to as toy lectables, which are bridge that gap between a toy and a collectible, such as our, our bendy figs. Um, and that's been a nice growing piece of business for us as well. All right. Can
0: you okay, tell us a bit more about toy lectables? I've never
1: Toilect- heard that term before. Uh, that's a term we've coined. Um, and so, take for example, our a, a bendy figs. So, our bendy figs are a noble collection take on. Bendy figs. So when you think of bendy figs, we might remember growing up with like inexpensive Gumby type uh, figures, easy to to bend. Um, What we've done is taken that that product, but brought our unique uh, sense of of quality and detail to the mix. So the sculpts are, are, you know, the same people sculpting, you know, $500 or $700 collectibles are sculpting these uh, bendy figs. Um, The deco is is top notch. We pack them out similar to an action figure. Each one has its own base. The base is uh, bespoke to the actual to the character or to the IP. Um, And it's a wide range of IP from things as young as SpongeBob SquarePants to as mature as um, Billy, the puppet from Saw. And the uh, so they look like a great figure but they're bendy figs so they're posable and you can uh you can display them on your desk or put them in a in, in a pose if you like they are bendy figs are traditionally considered toys um but because ours are more collectible and higher quality um we bring those two together in a as a collectible product
0: and what made your company pop culture centric
1: well you know the company started um importing uh, medieval armor. So uh, there's, a, there's some great companies in, in Spain, most of them in the Toledo, Spain area, that make beautiful replicas of medieval armor and, and weapons. And the company started importing them, but they realized, you know, this is a beautiful product that isn't really being sold properly or presented, served upright to potential collectors or consumers. So they really focused on beautiful photography and just highlighting what made these pieces so special and collectible. And you know, what would, you know, if someone wondered what a, a suit of, of armor would look like in their library, you know, this is, you know, we'd photograph it in beautiful settings. And they got very well known for that. Um, some people might have recalled, if you're old enough uh, to remember Sky Mall magazine in the back of a Southwest seat back pocket, you would have seen that catalog. And they were, a Noble collection was always prominently featured in there with their replica armor. The problem was that because these people weren't just selling exclusively to the Noble collection, it was easy to be undercut by other distributors. So the company realized they needed to um, focus on a more exclusive product. So they, engar- they embarked on a journey uh, meeting with manufacturers and, and different uh, craftspeople um, around the world, actually, to learn how do you work in porcelain, in, 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 in metals, in, in, in pewter, and in wood even, and, and high-end plastics, and learn how to develop the, these products themselves, and eventually started designing their own pieces. And they had a sword that was doing always a very popular sword, but they noticed that the sales took a huge spike. And the more they looked into it, they finally realized that the sword was very similar to one featured in a, in a series. that was very popular at the time called Highlander. The Highlander sword was a unique sword. Um, uh, Ours just was similar to it. And at the time, you know, uh, proper weapons really wasn't a huge category so people saw ours thought it looked like the one using the series so they would they would buy them and the results were fantastic so what we decided to do was go to the um to the studio and say you know what? we'd like to officially license it At first they thought it was a little bit crazy because no one did like weapons or, or, or swords but they found you know they agreed to let the noble collection do it and the sword was uh, changed to become an accurate representation of the one in the in the film. So what we did was, you know, uh, change the tool and make it authentic. And it did very well. You know, that led to sort, you know, from other films. And then they started working on um, the Lord of the Rings. And they would do the weapons for Lord of the Rings and the jewelry. And that was a huge turning point for the company because they, they tapped into this the, you know, the concept of fandom and, you know, how enthusiastic fans are and and um, uh, demanding as, as far as collectors go to detail and quality. And it they realized this is a good niche for them that, you know, we do this great. We know how to make uh, weapons and swords and prop replicas and we can work in different materials. And they worked across different materials on Lord of the Rings. They did different housewares. It was a beautiful product line. And I was working at Warner Brothers Consumer Products at the time doing licensing on collectibles. And I was familiar with what they were doing on Lord of the Rings. And I, I reached out to the Noble Collection. This would have been some 20 years ago saying, you guys should, what you're doing for Lord of the Rings, you need to be looking at at, at Harry Potter. The first Harry Potter film hadn't come out yet. To their credit, as we talked about it, they realized, you know, this seems like a good fit. And that relationship Started between Noble Collection and Warner Brothers on the Wizarding World, and that's where the, you know the, all the attention that they put into product development and detail really paid off. Um, they were able to access the uh, original molds of the wands used in the by, by you know in in production to make the wands for the films, and just replicate them exactly. And fans really connected with that. And as that Harry Potter range expanded, our consumer base grew. Um, and we became more and more focused on just the entertainment properties. You know, there's still a couple there's a selection in our catalog marked called the Noble Collection Classics, and that's some of our original pieces, like a brass replica of the Da Vinci flying machine or other things like that. But the focus of the company really became entertainment properties, popular uh, culture, uh, pop culture events like the Wizarding World. We work on DC Comics. We've gone into uh, Star Trek uh proud to work with them and then other areas with Nickelodeon and then uh, some of the horror properties as well.
0: Harry Potter is kind of an interesting case study because how did you anticipate that this franchise would take off in the U.S. the way it did in the U.K.?
1: You know, there was just the, the results in the U.K. were pretty spectacular. And then the film, based on what we were seeing, even if you didn't know anything about the books, you, you know, the, there was so much excitement around, you know, the cast, the filmmakers, you know, Chris Columbus directed the original film and how just how wonderful it was. It was coming across and it was validated when a lot of people saw the film, their response was, in many cases, oh, my goodness, it's just how I imagined it. So, you know, to to be able to bring that to life, there was a sense we knew that there was going to be that this was going to be something special that the IP was obviously had connected with, with, uh, with the readers around the world in a very, very special way. And audiences had connected with it in a way that, that was significant, you know, before the film, uh, came out, um, I was, you know, uh, back in those days I was working at, uh, at Lucasfilm licensing. Um, and I remember going with my daughter for the, you know, midnight book release of, of book number three, because it was, you know, important to, to, to get it when it came out. So, you know the the sense that there was it was becoming a, um, a, a cultural phenomenon in the U.S. was 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 already there really by the time the film came out. Now, will that would that translate into product? That's always the calculated risk you need to take. Um, in Noble's case, as a manufacturer, um, they they knew that they were aware of the property. They knew it. They they uh, they they loved the property um, and had faith in you know the studio and the filmmakers that they'd be able to deliver on that. You know, I don't think anyone, if anyone says that they knew at the time that the ones would be such a huge success or that it would connect the way they did or our product line would resonate with these uh, collectors the way it has, um, they wouldn't be saying the truth. There's no You never really know if you're going to be able to, to yeah, capture people's imagination um, to merit being added to their collection.
0: About the products themselves, how do you ensure that they are as true to origin as possible?
1: We worked very closely with the studio uh depending on the on the ip they give us very detailed reference uh, it, and it's not uncommon spe- specifically on harry potter where we'll get molds struck by the by the um uh, the prop masters so if you're getting a harry potter uh, a wand from the wizarding world um it, it is coming off of, of a mold that was made by the people who created the original props off the original props um, and then we get color callouts from them, and because we know that there's so many, this this is the the attention to detail needs to be at the highest level on these. We work you know closely in looking at uh, the different color, uh, the paint applications to make sure that it looks absolutely 100% authentic. And you know there's a, there's a lot of eyeballs on these from the consumer products team. Um, within the licensing studios, you've got the, the, the marketing teams, the franchise teams are looking at this. And in some cases, it gets looked at by um, talent or some of the people associated with making the original props, depending on, on the item and the IP. So between you know uh, all the eyes on it and the fact that a lot of these people really do care about the, pro- the, the product, they're not just a bunch of suits making business decisions. They really care. All that manifests itself in, in a beautiful product. And from our perspective... Um, the delivery of that product to the consumer begins at, at the package. So if you get one of our collector ones, um, the collector ones come in a replica of an Ollivander box. You know, we work very closely with the filmmakers and production to see which is the right color for the outside of the box. What's the right color for the insert? What's the right color for the ribbon? And a lot of attention goes, a lot of time goes into that to make sure it, it's right. But we know it's worth it because the fans appreciate it. So it's like you really
0: went to Ollivander's and I don't want to choose you.
1: Well, as close as you as you possibly can, because you're talking to the people who, in essence, would have created it for the, for, for the shop and to go into the shop originally.
0: Yeah. And how do the fandoms of the franchises you work for, not necessarily the Harry Potter franchise, but all the franchises you work for, perceive your products?
1: Well, we're fortunate because of our, our our track record here to have a, a reputation for for you know fine quality, high end collectibles. So there is a level of expectation when we're working on on an IP that comes both from the licensors and on on the fans. So, like I said, even if it's a toy collectible product, they expect noble collection execution, even at a twenty dollar price point, at a fifteen dollar price point. So, um, and they know we don't uh, want to cut. Corners. So, whatever the item is, we want to make sure that that it that the, va- they, the they, that value is there that they get they go. This was worth, you know, a shelling out the investment to add it to your collection. We just want to make sure that um, because you know people's both the space they have in their collection and their finances are, are 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 finite. We want to make sure that when they choose to buy one of our products, when they get it, they just have that sense of of magic and discovery from the minute they open the box to get the product and realize they made a good decision. They were glad they added a noble collection piece to their collection.
0: And um, speaking of which, what are the best and worst aspects of working with NVIDIA Entertainment's stratosphere?
1: Well, the best aspect is the fact that you're working on IPs or these franchises that have such loyal, uh, dedicated, and informed fan bases. These are people who absolutely love these IPs and have made them part of their lives in many cases. And getting a chance to work on something like that is really a privilege because you sense it in terms of on our side, the amount of work that goes into the product, and then the reception we get from the fans and and their their response to the products. You realize that, you know, all the work is worth it. So it is Wonderful, being able to, to to work on something that is um, important to people. Um, as far as the the challenges, it's like you know, you never know for sure what items are going to connect. Sure, the wands, great. We know we've you know if you've seen the trailer for the new um, uh, uh, Fantastic Beasts films, The Secret of Dumbledore, you saw uh, Jacob gets a wand, so. That's a no-brainer. We need to do <laughs> Jacobs One, but sometimes figuring out what other items are going to res- connect with fans, you don't really know. Sometimes until the film comes out, even even uh, in the best efforts with the studio and 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 filmmakers, something breaks through that maybe was unexpected. The good thing there is um, there's no expiration date on fandom. So if you see a, a piece in the in the film and you really want it, you you know we've got we can take the time to. Chase it, put the uh, you know develop it, do it right, and you can deliver it after the movie comes out several months or in cases years. But if it connected with fans, they'll they'll wait for it. You know we you know we do get a chance to to make good if we did miscalculate on the
0: gladly wait is that correct.
1: Uh, if you deliver on their expectations, if you give them the quality they look for, the authenticity and the details, and the piece connects. You know, with them, they, they want it to the collection. There's not, you don't have to be there when the movie comes out. You can, I think uh, f- uh, the fans would rather wait and have you get it right and do it right than have you rush, get it out there when the movie's ready, and then it's not accurate. A color was wrong or the scope isn't right because the authenticity is, 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 is paramount. Um, so taking the time to get it right is key. We're want we're no, We want to get it right. It has to be authentic.
0: And what's next for the Noble Collection,
1: other than the Fantastic Beasts franchise? Um, Well, we've recently, um, we've expanded our relationship with Universal. We're excited to be working on things like uh, the Jurassic franchise. Um, We're developing, I think, a wonderful range of collectible and collectible products for ET's 40th anniversary, which is taking place, um, which uh, is coming up and uh, is hard to believe it's 40 years old, but We've got some prize coming up for ET. We are working with, um, and on, we love the, their Universal Monsters IP. It's a lot of fun. We've got some great bendy figs from that. And we're looking to do some prop replicas actually from the classic Universal Monster films um, are, are coming up soon. And then uh, we're working with uh, Nickelodeon on things like um, Avatar, Spongebob, and uh, Rugrats. And uh, we're working uh, obviously on Star Trek now um, but I'm anxious to do some, uh, some new products based on the current series that are out. And I think, the, uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity with the upcoming, uh, s- with the current Star Trek films. Uh, you've got the uh, Discovery series, which I think gives us some great opportunities to go into. And then the upcoming uh, series, uh, Brave New Worlds, I think it's called, with um, the Pike Commanded Enterprise. So we'd love to do some products off of that as well. Well,
0: Julian. I wish you all the best with Manoble Collection. And thank you so much for joining us on the Geekening Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. I had a great time being here.